0: So um, we are, our main text this morning, of course, is going to be Hebrews 4, 12 through 13. But what I want to start with is, um, you know, I love detective films, right? I don't know about you guys, but one of my favorites in the past was Columbo. And um, I enjoy Columbo. I'm a, I'm, I watch a lot of old movies, guys. Um, I, my my wife says I have an old soul. Um, um, I don't know if that's a honey. Is that a compliment? Yeah. And so yeah, I watch a lot of old movies. You know, like you know, I, I like Frank Sinatra. I like all those guys from back in the day. I like the Rat Pack and you know all that stuff. And and so I watch I watch Columbo and you know he's you know he's just this guy that he just really doesn't care about much apart from just Catching the bad guy. You know, you you look at him and, you know, he doesn't care much about his appearance. He's he's worn the same raincoat throughout every single series, right? And he doesn't really care much about anything else but catching the bad guy. And um, I'm certain some of you have have gotten sucked into a detective or crime crime drama at uh, one time or the other. Even this morning, you know, when I was getting ready... And uh, ironing, you know, my clo- my clothes. Um, you know, I, I kind of do an okay job. But I was ironing my clothes at the same time. I was watching some old episodes of Batman and Robin. Come on, Brian. Right? Some old episodes of Batman and Ryan and and um Robin. Some old episodes of Batman and Robin with uh with the Riddler there, you know and. And he had these riddles that he was he was throwing out there and, you know, Batman looking for clues and Robin looking for clues. And and they're trying to figure out, you know, what's going on. What is the riddler up to? You know, but imagine for a moment that you were a detective. On a case looking for evidence to solve a mystery. Right. Imagine that that was your job. Why are you looking for evidence? It's. It's a path to the truth. It's how you find out what really happened. Right? And so we're often confused. Sometimes we're even confused about our faith. Right? We have these questions in the back of our mind about our faith. Right? And, but, but we choose, and we choose odd or wrong paths to find the truth about our faith. We will look in different places. We'll go online trying to figure out answers to our faith. Right? Many people have done that and have gotten some really strange answers that have led them astray to find answers to their faith. Right? Have you ever felt confused about your faith? Maybe you feel you need more evidence. Maybe you've you've had or made bad choices and you chose odd or wrong. Paths in search of truth you know just as a detective looks for evidence to solve a mystery we can use the word of God to uncover the truths about our faith but we must be receptive to that truth right when we find these truths we have to be receptive to it You know, the the danger is that sometimes we find the truth in the scriptures and then we want to even question that and go to the internet about that too. Rather than just being receptive to that. And so after all, the scripture, as we learned last week, is God breathed word. That's where the truth is at. But how do we uncover the truth with the Word of God. We do that with the help of the Holy Spirit. And so let's turn our Bibles, as I mentioned before, to Hebrews 4, starting in verse 12. It says, For the Word of God is alive and active, it's sharper than any double edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. You know, the word of God is living and active. Living and active. And so here, the author of Hebrews is explaining that the word of God is powerful and relevant to its audience. It's alive because why? It endures forever. You know, Psalm 119, 89, it says, Your word, Lord, is eternal. It stands firm in the heavens. Psalm 119, verse 89. You know, the Holy Spirit continually works in and through the words of Scripture, right? It goes along with the word of Scripture. The Holy Spirit is there working with the word to help us. And this is what the author of Hebrews means when he says that the Bible is living and active. It is alive, right? As it works through us and with us. It it has life in it, and that life is the Holy Spirit's. And so God speaks to the individual through the scriptures via the Holy Spirit. Sometimes I think we can, like I said last week, we can read this book and feel like it's just a book with paper, right? This is a live book because of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit didn't simply inspire the writers of the Bible, He also continues to inspire the readers of the Bible and so it goes along together Holy Spirit inspired word and Holy Spirit inspired readers go together so there's no way we should read this and not be impacted. Scripture is not static and lifeless but forever imbued and and, and permeated with the Spirit Of God the spirit of life the same spirit of life who raised Jesus from the dead and now lives within us the spirit who speaks to our to our spirits and ministers to us through our lives it's the same spirit that moves throughout the scriptures And so for this reason, we should approach scripture with an expectation. As we read it, there needs to be this expectation as we open it. We should come to the Bible expecting God to speak to us. Expect God to communicate with you and do something grand And even unexpected in your life as the Spirit works because Scripture is not just living and active, it is effective. So it's going to have an effect on you. That needs to be the expectation. That as you go through your devotional, what am I to expect? How am I going to be transformed this morning? not just as a duty. I I feel like our church at times teach these things like it should be a duty or a checklist. It is not as such. The Holy Spirit needs to work through us and in us. And so... The Holy Spirit is on a mission to fulfill the purpose of which it was spoken. Do you think you approach the scripture with an expectation? Do you approach the scripture expecting to receive something? Or are, are you approaching the scripture out of duty? Are you approaching it out of, oh, well, this is just something I need to do this morning. Because I was told I need to do it. Isaiah fifty five eleven. So is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty. But will accomplish what I desire and achieve. The purpose for which I sent it. Jeremiah 23. Is not my word like fire, declares the Lord. And like a hammer that breaks a rock in pieces. 1 Thessalonians 2.13 and we also thank god continually because when you receive the word of god which you heard from us you accepted it not as a human word but as it actually is the word of god which is indeed at work in you who believe the word of god is at work In you, do you believe that? That if you believe, it is at work in you. Guys, I want us to look at the Word of God different. So that when we are studying it, we're excited because it's going to do something amazing in our lives. I want to encourage you to Pray before you open your Bibles during your devotional times. Ask God to speak to you as you read the scriptures. Sometimes I think we we open our Bibles or we pray before we open our Bibles and the prayer is usually sometimes just about us. God, do this for me today. Help me with this. No, how about saying, God, reveal this to me. Make this clear to me today help me to understand this today that's usually my prayer because I know that I ain't smart. I ain't the smartest guy in here a whole bunch of engineers in here so you all know so I gotta pray I was like God make this clear because if I if my desire, is to do what this says. If I don't understand it and I go and do something that is contrary to what it says, then I'm in trouble. If I teach something contrary to what it says, then we may be in trouble. Unless unless you're like an Ethiopian eunuch who's going to go back and study what I said right the more we read the Bible guys the more we will find that we are not the primary actors but God is and so as we take the action to read scripture we may come to find that God is the one acting on us God is the one acting on us as we read the Bible. God, in a mysterious and metaphorical way, is acting on us. And he's actually reading us. How about that? He is the one, through the scriptures, through the Holy Spirit, reading us. Our hearts, our minds, looking back at us and saying, what are you doing? Are you understanding? Are you applying? You know, the next step in vehicle technology, you guys have probably already seen this, heard of it. It's a... Very uh, popular right now, or, you know, is self-driving cars, right? Or the autonomous vehicle, they would call it. So imagine getting into your car, typing, or better yet, speaking a location into your vehicle's interface. Then letting it drive you to your destination. While you read your Bible. Or you surf the web. How about you take a nap? Just relax. Put your feet up. Mama said amen. And just have it just. Take its church, your next destination, right? You know, if you ever get an opportunity to operate operate one of these vehicles, it might appear to those around you that you're doing all the navigating and driving, but really, your car is, not you, unless they really see you with the book in front, right? The same is true as we study the Bible. It might seem like we are the subject or the agent. But really God is. God is the one doing all the work. You know, Claudette and I were watching the news yesterday. And they were reporting this thing called... Chat GPT. You guys, have you guys heard of this? Chat GPT. And so, uh, in in a USA Today article, because I was just like, I was like, man, this is so cool, right? So I went online and I'm looking at this USA Today article, and I found online the author says, when I ask it to explain, when I ask Chat GPT to explain, Chat GPT. To my mom, it cranks out. And so what you do is you go online, right? You pull up ChatGPT and then you type in there and you can ask it, explain ChatGPT to my mom. And so it says, this is what it regurgitates. It's an AI type of thing, right? And this is what it regurgitates. It says, ChatGPT is a computer program that uses artificial intelligence to understand and respond to natural language texts just like a human one. It can answer questions, write sentences, and even have a conversation with you. It's like having your own personal robot that can understand and talk to you. So this is like, it's an AI type of chat. So you pull it up on the internet, and you go in there, and you type in, explain chat GPT to my mom. And it will go ahead and it will answer your question. Just like a human being. Right? I went in there and I I put in um, a recipe for baked chicken. And it listed all the stuff, all the ingredients and told me how to bake it. I was like, man, I can cook now. I was like, this is awesome. I'm just kidding. Just, Just joking. Right? And so... It it was like cool. You just put anything in there, and it, it just pops up with 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 these answers, long form stuff too. I said I said um, I said I put in something in there about like write a letter to so and so saying I can't I can't I'm not available to come and do this X Y Z, and it wrote this long letter, and I was like, wow, that's pretty awesome. And so the argument was that you know kids in school they're trying to use it and stuff. Hey, guys, look, this is a message. I'm not telling you to go and chat GPT. <laughs> Listen, parents, you heard what I said. I'm not telling them to use chat GPT. But kids were going on there. They were using it to write papers. So they were saying, hey, you know, we're going to disband this thing. It's not good. Anyway, so again, I mentioned this because similarly, when we study the Bible, it may seem as if we have something to do with all we're gleaning from the text. But it is God who is the agent of it all. It is the Holy Spirit that is working and doing all of it. When we study the Bible with people, right, we get down in these studies and we're studying the Bible with people, we have sometimes this feeling of, wow, that was a great study. Yeah, but it wasn't you. Great job reading the Bible. Okay? It was the Holy Spirit moving in that room. Recognize. Okay? It was not necessarily you and your Bible knowledge and all that you think you have going on. And it was the Holy Spirit moving in someone's heart through the word of God. And so we must be obedient to God's word. You know, Israel Israel rebelled at at the word and would not hear his voice. It says so in Psalm 95. Therefore, they wandered in defeat for 40 years. And so I implore you, recognize the Holy Spirit's work as you read and study the Bible. The word of God is sharper than any double-edged sword. If we can have the next slide. I'm having slide trouble. Sharper than any double-edged sword. You know, when we interact with the text, the spirit speaks afresh and anew to us. You know, it's truly remarkable, even miraculous. You know, and as we read the scripture, even passages that we that we have read a hundred times in the past. You ever notice this? Passages that we've read a hundred times in the past. The spirit incisively, it, 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 it becomes like this two-edged sword where it will mean one thing one time when you read it and something else another time, right? It speaks speaks to us in our present moment and contextualizes the message to fit our current situation. You know, with this in mind, we should never grow weary of reading scripture. Even texts that we are extremely familiar with, that may seem redundant, like the one we read this morning. Many of us in here have probably read that so many times. And as I read it, you're probably like, oh yeah, I read that scripture. Because through the presence and activity of the Spirit, the Bible has the power to speak a fresh word to us in every season and stage of our lives. You can read it one time and it speaks something to you that time, and then in another season of your life, you read it again, it means something totally different to you. And it helps you in that situation in a different way. Clinton Ar- Arnold says, as his primary weapon, a Roman legionnaire would carry what they called a the gladius. It's a double-edged sword. It comes from gladius. Right? A double edged sword about 20 inches long, strapped to his right side. And this weapon was designed for slashing and thrusting in close hand to hand combat. Another commentary, Bruce V. Barton. He says a sword's double edges made it ideal for cut and thrust strategy. Simon Kistenmaker says in the ancient world, the double-edged sword was the sharpest weapon available in any arsenal. A double-edged sword. And so Warren Wiersbe, he says that the word of God is also a weapon. It enables us to fight. And Hebrews 4.12 tells us that the word of God is living and active. It is sharper than any double-edged sword. You know, a few of of you may know that I have many interests. I will mention an interest today, and i mention another interest tomorrow. I have so many interests, right? And things that I dabble in from time to time, um, they just vary. One of the things I enjoy um, learning and reading about our knives and swords and in fact I do collect pocket knives when I actually went and visited visit to visit the farmers we went into um, a and I was it an antique shop went into an antique shop and they were looking around all I was interested in like, do they have an old pocket knives well, some really old ones that are pretty cool right and so Doing my research, I realized that one of the sharpest swords ever made was forged in the eighteenth century in eighteenth century India and other parts of Asia, and it is the Damascus sword. The steel used could could stay sharp through many battles, several battles, and it's still sharp. And if you've ever seen or, or seen a, a battle depicted, maybe even in a movie, when they fight, their swords are clashing together. It's hitting metal on metal, right? And these swords could stay sharp even through that. And some blades proved so sharp that they could cut through falling silk and slice stones in half. Now that's a sharp blade. Our text today boldly claims that scripture is even sharper. That scripture is even sharper than that. That the war that the sword, um, two edge the two edge depicts the words potency and power in exposing and judging the innermost thoughts of the human heart. The word never wields a dull edge. That's John MacArthur. You know, if you collect knives, it is inevitable, right? That you're going to cut yourself once or twice. Once or twice. And that is just how it is. It may be it may be bad, but it, it may not be bad, but it will happen, right? Less than a year ago, I was um, fidgeting with one of my pocket knives, and it was a it was a knife that I it was I think it was right before we had um, the marriage retreat. and it was a knife that I had just purchased. It was a Benchmade Bug Out, right? Love it. It's awesome. Very light knife. It's a really cool knife. It's a pocket knife. Flips open. I love it because it's very light. It's like feather. Um, and when the blade caught my finger as I was closing it, I just felt like a tickle. It wasn't like a big deal. It, it was just it didn't it wasn't um, like it stung really or it hurt real bad. It was just like this tickle. And so when I looked down, to my surprise, obviously there was blood on my finger. And so the bench made prized themselves on a sharp knife, right? That meant and that maintains the blade. They will even have you, if you'd like, you can send the knife back and they'll sharpen it for you. Right? They'll sharpen the blade and send it back to you. And that's for free. Right? Because they pride themselves on that. And so what I realized was that after, you know, because of the blood, it had gone through skin and flesh with no problem at all. Now, according to Hebrews, scripture is so sharp, it cuts right into your life, almost without you realizing it. Just like a very sharp knife. Because a very sharp knife or sharp sword can cut you and you not know it because it's so sharp. What hurts when a knife cuts is because it's dull. Right. Because when you sharpen a knife, what happens is it makes the the whole science of sharpening is that it makes more jagged edges. It may sound like that would hurt more, but no. What hurts more is when the edges get flat and so it's no longer sharp. Right. And so you think about scripture where Hebrews talks about the sharpness of the word of God that it it pierces our life and our soul almost without you realizing it. As you're reading and studying it because of the Holy Spirit, it gets into your soul so deep that you don't even realize. That is how sharp God's Word is. The difference is that the writer of Hebrews isn't talking about a pocket knife, but a sword, a weapon that would not just cut into a finger, but could easily go right through your body into heart, liver, kidneys, lungs, like a Damascus sword No escape from the word of God. God's word is a sword. It pierces your heart. It moves your soul. It does something to you that could be uncomfortable later on but it's okay. It's okay. It gets in there without you knowing it, but later on, there's this discomfort, right? Like, whoa, that just happened. Revelations 1, Revelation 1, verse 16, it says, in his right hand, he held seven stars. And coming out of his mouth was a sharp double-edged sword. His face was like the sun shining in all its brilliance. Ephesians 6, 17 says, Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. You know, through the scriptures, the Holy Spirit does a work in you that you sometimes do not even realize is happening. Positive change and personal growth are only possible if we're open to the leading and guiding of the Spirit. Yes, reading the Bible can be like driving an autonomous vehicle, but we can also, in our stubbornness, choose to turn that setting off and go our own way. One of the main roles of the Spirit is to convict us. That's why the Spirit works with the Scriptures. To judge the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. If we're not open to the convicting power of the Holy Spirit, then the Bible will lose its its, its transformative potency in our lives. We have to be open to the Bible convicting us. if we're not open to that and it, it loses that power that potency in our lives then it becomes like any other book you might as well read Harry Potter Harry Potter's a good book and so to conclude what I would say is Hebrews 12 is the answer to all our spiritual condi- holds the answer to all our spirit- spiritual conditions if we allow the word to judge us and expose our hearts. Too many Christians fail to hear and heed God's word and thus rob themselves of blessing. It takes diligence to mature spiritually. And so disciples need to apply God's word faithfully. I want to offer you a reading plan. I generated a reading plan um, to go through Genesis in two months. Many of you have probably started reading something already, but I want to offer this to you guys. I'm going to post it on. That's pretty tiny. I'm sorry. I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and post it on um uh, on GroupMe, uh, for you. Um, but it's a it's a reading plan that starts from um from t- tomorrow, January thirtieth until April second. This is, it goes through all of Genesis, from Genesis 1 to uh, 50. And it's basically going to go along with the series that we're going to be doing starting next Sunday on Genesis, right? And so, um, you know, it's, it's probably some, some, some days you'll read one chapter, some days you'll read less. Um, and you can do this while using the SOAP method. And so as you read, as you read this using the SOAP method, you can stop at a specific verse or two to focus on and go through the SOAP method, which, which means scripture, observation, application, and prayer. And so along with SOAP, we're going to start having adult Sunday school in February, Um You know, we're going to definitely go ahead and and keep you updated on that. Uh, That will probably be one time in February. We're going to start with one Sunday, kind of get, you know, accustomed to coming in earlier on a Sunday, right? And so we're going to start with one Sunday, and um, that will probably start at about, maybe about 9.15 or 9.30. We'll see, but we'll keep you updated on that. And so, you know, science textbooks are full of all the basic ideas, formulas, um, and information needed to move, move on into any field of scientific study or profession, right? And there is no way to advance in your education and become a doctor or researcher without understanding the basics. Would you agree? Right. You don't want to go to a doctor that didn't understand the basics of science. I wouldn't, right? How would we feel if we enrolled in nursing school or an advanced class without having read the foundational books first? When it comes to stories, including the Bible, the same holds. What comes in the beginning is necessary to understand anything that happens later. We must understand the Torah in order to advance in our study of the Bible. And so I pray that you enjoyed this series on how to read the Bible. And my hope is that you have picked up something helpful to improve your relationship with God and the scriptures. And so I'm asking you, please join us next week as we start a new series on the book of Genesis it's called Genesis stories from the beginning and that is which of course Genesis is part of the Torah and I hope you enjoy that as well and so to God be the glory amen. Amen.